Sit back in your seats, get something to eat, and watch this movie. Don't let the kids see it, because, well, let, let, we'll let you hear the video. Thank you. Hi, welcome. My name is Evan, and you are listening to Left of the Projector. I am joined this week by Farhad um, to talk about the movie Robocop. And we will be discussing the unedited version. So if you didn't know, there are two versions, the theatrical and the unrated one. Thank you for joining me, Farhad. Evan, thank you so much for for hosting this podcast. It was a lot of fun to revisit RoboCop after uh, many many moons. Yes, it's uh, as I as I should have mentioned, it came out in 1987, um, kind of in the the midst of the Reagan era. So there's lots to kind of uncover about it. And for those who've listened to a couple other episodes of this show, we more did a recap of a movie and kind of brought in our thoughts as we go. So the format's going to be a little different this this episode where. We're just going to dive into some interesting topics and obviously talking about the plot as we go through it. So the first thing that I thought of when I watched this movie or an obvious theme throughout everything is just the over militarization of both the police and this company, which we'll get into that owns the police, which is another major topic, but maybe coming in from just that militarization standpoint, I don't know what you thought about how they portray the U.S. military as there's lots of these video clips from television in the 80s. And it's a lot of conflict abroad and how the US is kind of sticking their imperialist nose into everyone's business. So I don't know what you thought about that and and how you played in. Evan, I just want to kind of double click on your point about there's so much in this movie. There's so many nuances, so many layers. I think Jonathan Swift would have been proud in terms of just the satire Paul Verhoeven and the writers deploy in this movie. Every commercial is like a mini movie in and of itself, another critique of of, of whether it's militarization or globalization. And, and I came back to uh, uh, that commercial about the game Nukem, the, the Holocaust World War oh, III yes. politics game. And it, literally there was a quote is, uh, and, and uh, Pakistan is threatening my borders. Uh, and then the, uh, the father says, that's it. No more, mister. No more aid. Juxtapose that with with the the conversation um that uh, uh Clarence Boddicker one of the best bad guys in the history of film was having with uh, uh with Jones the 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 VP uh at, at the corporation uh when they were trying to like solve the problem of robocop the point they made about corporations and criminals working together to subvert the rule, rule of law in favor of profits and then yep. when they were talking about cleaning up robocop or getting rid of him he asked you know do you have like military grade weapons and he said you know we practically are the military so that point was like you know like highlighting military criminals working together through corporations you know and ultimately to privatize uh the privatization of the public sector um but it was just that remarkable point of saying we practically are the military as the bad guy is asking the other bad guy you have the weapons i need so yes that that level of deep scrutiny of you know corporate bad actors um focusing on profits rather than the public good is pretty clear throughout this movie it's not subtle in the in the least throughout the entire movie and that's like that's the other part that you can add on to it's a good point about the company saying that they basically are the military and thinking how they can just outfit. It's not any different than you look at Lockheed Martin, these big uh, weapons contractors today. And the other thing too, is just the lack of separation between corporate America and just America. You know, this, as like one preface to the whole plot is that the police in Detroit, where, you know, big booming city in the 80s, uh, even and before, you know, with um, steel and uh, cars and all of that. And then now their police is 
owned by a corporation. So they don't even really have their own autonomy anymore. It's just this this corporation, which is kind of a good uh, way to look at you know the, the 1980s with Reagan and privatization and this public-private par- partnership. We can even go further back. Uh, um, my family's originally from you know uh, the subcontinent. And, you know, it was a corporation that ran India for, yep. for, for a long, long time. And, and it, there was a quote from the movie. Again, I think it was a, the owner, the, the old man, as they referred to him in the movie, where he said, traditionally, we have gambled in markets uh, that are traditionally nonprofit, um, hospitals, prison, space exploration. Uh, and he goes, I believe good business is where you find it. I say good business is where you find it. And that very line is then quoted near the end of the movie by Clarence Boddicker about like good business is where you find it. We talk about all these workers coming in to build the uh, new Detroit or Delta City. Sorry. Even in the structure, like you can th- you can see some like management consulting language when he talks about, um, you know, the nefarious regrouping of, of police officers that are prime candidates for the Robocop project being sent to a precinct in a high crime area in order to find like a suitable body to become Robocop. It's you know, it's it's a very remarkable uh, uh, point. And then, of course, when Clarence Barnacle first comes up uh, uh, across Murphy, he says, you know, are you a good cop? He goes, you must be some kind of great cop. And I was just like, <laughs> wow, there's a lot of nuance here. What's interesting about that part, too, of bringing the cops into the more crime ridden areas and saying like that, you know, they need bodies for the Robocop problem uh, program. It's similar to just now and I guess forever the U.S. military. They just need bodies to be in the military to fight whatever war. And that's another thing that's through line through this, too, is part of this military aspect is those TV commercials. They have a conflict in Mexico, I believe, is one of the mm-hmm. conflicts where the U.S. is backing the rebels against yep. the Mexican government. And I believe there's one in Africa. So they, throughout the whole movie, they kind of just dig deep into all the military actions and coups that the United States has basically um, done. And to your point about the the new, I mean, the movie opens in like the first few seconds, you see those smiling anchors and they literally say, uh, what is it? Give us three minutes and we'll give you the world. Um, and they, they go from like the smiling faces to like these these horrible conflicts that they describe. The threat of nuclear confrontation in South Africa escalated today when the ruling white military government of that besieged city state unveiled a French-made neutron bomb and affirmed its willingness to use the three-megaton device as the city's last line of defense. It's just so prescient uh, about this. And and forgive me, I I don't want to violate decorum of of your podcast. No, no. It it super implies, I mean, one of my other Paul Verhoeven favorite movies is Starship Troopers, which is, you know, basically a critique of fascism and militarization on a different level, right? Like, uh, and, and you could see that through line in exactly the point you talked about with respect to not just the commercials, but the newscasts um, talking about who we're backing here and, and, and there. So it was really cool to see, not cool, I think the rest of the world, it's just shocking to see how close we are to this future they um, they highlighted. I know. And, and what's, what's one thing about it too, is part of it is that it takes place in what you probably assume at the time is like a slightly distant future where they can manage crime, get rid of crime, build this Delta city, this new place with millions of, of jobs. But one thing I was was thinking about too with the uh, the movie, and this plays into the police part of it. Obviously, Robocop is a police officer, but kind of a mm-hmm. militarized police officer. And they harp on this a few times very early on and throughout the movie. And it's the fact that the police officers are not allowed to strike. So they're yes. privatized. And the thing that I thought of when I when I heard these lines is it reminded me of the Ronald Reagan 
traffic controller strike and how they were not allowed to strike in the 1980s. So I wonder if yeah. that was, you know, the, the the chief is constantly saying, you can't go on strike, you know, police officers just don't go on strike, we have to protect the city. And so it's, and eventually they do end up going on strike at, towards the end of the film. So really, there's yeah. like a, a through line of labor um, and unions too. Absolutely. I mean, they talk about workers, both in terms of folks coming in to build the city, the jobs, the 2 million workers and jobs that will be created, the police pushing and, and, and the tensions between management and labor, even in, in, in the precinct leader, uh, when he walks into the locker room, um, they stop talking about strike. And I believe they, uh, in New York State might be one of this. I want, I want to make sure we, we fact check what, what I'm about to say, but you, the, the police aren't and firefighters are not allowed to strike by law. I believe that's uh, correct. Yeah. Yeah, public uh, good. I think that's yeah, the, the public good piece. Uh, and then to, to come back to your point about Reagan, and I want to give credit where credit is due. There's a great article from what's called the Film School Reject. Kieran Fisher wrote about um, the violent satire of RoboCop. In this article, uh, ellipse up the, the point that Reagan was prominently represented in this movie by the you know the old man of the corporation. You know, well intentioned, but kind of asleep at the wheel, and everybody just kind of of. Uh, of, of waiting in, in, in the wings to take over and, and execute their nefarious plan. The thing that's a, a good point to talk about is that urban renewal of Delta City. They're trying to build this sort of modern, liberal, neoliberal bastion of greatness. But really what they want to do is push the crime onto the side and the outskirts, gentrify the one area, hire a bunch of cheap labor to build it, and then just kind of say they've done a done a thing. And that's that's what we're seeing now in, in real time. Absolutely. I think I challenge anyone uh, <clears throat> who's listening to name another movie in the last 50 years that so profoundly and so thoroughly captures some of the ills of our modern society in terms of crime, violence, waste, climate, class issues, everything that you just mentioned. And the bottom line, the guys just really about the the, the, the importance of just really just wanting to make money. But yeah, so the, the, the thing, you know, obviously, we didn't kind of go through the whole plot. But just as maybe a quick general summary through this point is so you have this cop and they're trying to who gets assigned to like you said, Murphy, the, the main character, gets assigned to this sort of rough neighborhood. He ends up trying to go after one of the big kind of kingpins of crime and ends up getting killed in the line of duty. You think he's dead, but of course, you know, at this moment, he's going to become the Robocop and his former partner sort of recognizes him. And part of the, the movie that maybe isn't the same kind of critique of anything, but there is like the awakening of him as being this sentient being to then having consciousness of his former self where he can remember his own body and it turns out into a revenge for him to go after the, the people who killed him. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that necessarily plays into the overall talking, you know, the discussion, but I think it was a good thing to remember about the plot. And then, you know, the, the culmination is you find out who is, you know, running the strings and it's, like you said, the the main villain of this movie, Dick Jones. Um, Dick Jones and Clarence you know, Bodiger. Yes, he he is a gr great villain. You know, his I feel like he often plays a villain in movies. I'm thinking of a few other instances, but he does a great job. And you know, he will kill anyone to get out of his way. And he has his deal with the crime in the city, which is kind of a common theme uh, where you don't get into corruption as much. But obviously, at the very top, it's not the cops that are corrupt in this movie. It's actually the corporation who runs it. So I don't know how you, how you if you would still say that the cops in this movie are corrupt. 
or if it's that privatization corrupted them. I, I think I think what my take would be that in this movie, the cops are, are, are shown as human beings trying to survive in the same, you know, forgive me for using the term that we use a lot these days, but it's, you know, the same kind of late stage capitalism um, that uh, that everyone's just trying to survive and try to do the best they can. There's a code, there's honor, um, there's uh, there's a desire to be to be good. You know, are you a good cop or are you a great cop? There is this kind of like uh, um, uh, critique also of, 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 of this kind of toxic masculinity as well, or like the, the, mm-hmm. the Dirty Harry or the John Wayne types in like a robot saying, you know, uh, dead or alive, you're coming with me kind of thing, uh, which is a line that gets repeated. Dead or alive, you're coming with me. Um, but, but I think that the, the police force shown um, in this movie are, are, are shown in a very sympathetic uh, way, um, especially near the end when they do, you know, call in everyone to kind of destroy RoboCop and the cops um, surround him. And there's a, a, a long line of police that say, wait, he's one of us, you know, and they, they try to protect. Right. But then people, you know, still executed on the orders and just kind of shoot at him. Uh, it was incredibly violent and incredibly sad. And it just shows the power of the systems to just corrupt all of all of the even the most well-intentioned public servants um got pulled in. hey I, I was told to do this you know like that kind of right i was following orders uh, yes. trope. Uh, but but evan if, if you'll indulge me for one second you said something a, a few minutes ago about him becoming a, a machine a robot and then regaining his his cognition his memories and then it becomes this revenge uh, expo- uh, um, a fa- fantasy movie that part there there's this movie where he, there's part when his um when he recognizes that he was somebody else at one point he says this line that actually choked me up i mean as an 11 12 year old it didn't resonate but as a as an adult he's he's he asked about his wife and child he's like murphy had a wife and child and his his partner uh, uh says uh, uh you know tells what happened and he says i can feel them but i can't remember them that broke yes. that broke me last night when I watched it. I mean, that is the essence of one of the deepest like human struggles. Like, what it really, what 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 is it truly to be a human being? Is it ability to feel, or ability to remember, and and can you feel without remembering? I mean, are you disconnected? Like, I mean, that was like this existential moment uh, when he says, "I can feel them, but I can't remember them." And then I think I think it's soon after that moment where he then goes to visit. He mm-hmm. finds out where they live. And a very interesting scene too. I don't want to go past what you were saying, but he then goes into his former house, mm-hmm. which is now turned into one of these sort of automated homes you kind of think of in like Back to the Future or something. I, I thought about where everything is computerized. I thought like you yeah. know how uh, you know open houses in COVID must have been like that as well, <laughs> yes. with a, with a, like a little screen saying "Welcome to this house." Exactly. And so he's then going through the house and he's having piecing together memories, and it's not clear if he remembers these things or if they're just showing you a glimpse of like his humanity, they're bringing back, they're making him more human because he's murdered so soon in the movie that he doesn't really have a personality. And so I think they did a good job giving him one here because you never really, the characters of his family are never in the the film, Um, which I think makes sense. I think it it served better this way with just like uh, the people in the memories. But I think that too, the, the thing I was thinking about too, in terms of the, RoboCop, and then also the automated home mm-hmm. is just a general general idea of like automization uh, of of things. Just you know, you think of part of what led to the downfall of real Detroit in you know real society is automation of things. And so I think he did 
And the, the filmmaker did a great job in showing how that was also going to be the future, but they don't really rectify or show what will happen to all the regular people. Who's going to be able to afford these fancy Delta, uh, you know, Delta homes mm-hmm. when they're working these seemingly pretty medial jobs? Yeah. But he, I mean, didn't Dick Jones say you're going to have 2 million workers living in trailers, which means, yep. you know, crime, gambling, prostitution, drugs. And I mean, that's just letting, you know, letting you know where, where the workers were going to live versus, you know, where those who the gentrifiers who will occupy Delta City. Uh, that line alone about the trailers and the workers took me to just a thought about um, what recently happened in uh, uh, with the building of the, the, the World Cup Stadium uh, in the Middle yep. East, in, uh, is it United Arab Emirates, um, and so many uh, uh, workers being um, um, bought in from, from South Asia and just exposed exploited um, and, you know, forced to work in 120 degree conditions. Like, so a lot of labor, uh, to your point, rights come up quite directly. And then connected to that, to your point about automation, I, let, let's not talk about a silent star in this movie. Ed 209, the stop motion, yes. you know, like it's still, I watched it last night. I'm a 46 year old man. It scared me still. It was just still kind of like stop motion. And when Dick Jones talks about you messed it up for me, man, Ed 209 was going to be, it doesn't matter if it didn't work. Think about the the, the parts, think about the militarization. And, and he was, he had a whole business plan around like getting Ed 209 to be, you know the future soldier and 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 all the money they would make on just servicing and repairs and replacement and what's what's even what's even amazing about that is a perfect thing i was going to mention was so you, you say oh well it doesn't matter if he works they'll just use him in the military and one of the things we know from the real reagan era was star wars program space lasers mm-hmm. and they mention right after this scene they go to one of those videos where there's a forest fire because of an accidental shot from a space laser in like south america that kills two former presidents and they just kind of like go by that like oh yep yeah, a couple presidents died because our accidental military failures and so <laughs> they don't care if the things work someone just has to profit off it and that's the end of the, Correct. the story and evan did you notice and this is paul verhoven at his best in so many ways that there was a news clip i don't know before or after where they showed oh there was a little you know kerfuffle on the international space station star wars was mentioned again where the president and their team you know they, they, they lost power for a moment and and they were, had zero G. So it was like a lighthearted moment. But that same device was then, to your point, talked about accidentally creating a forest fire that killed two, uh, two other presidents. So he did a really good job tying a through line between Star Wars regime change and, uh, and our political uh, realities or the political realities shown in that movie. And this is actually reminds me of what he did in Starship Troopers. There's constantly the news clips. The news That's a really big the thing. He loves right? using that. Yes. He loves using that idea. Because I've read the book Starship Troopers from the 50s um, Heinlein and it's a it's a good book but I think the movie really makes it into like a parody whereas I don't think that was the, the point of the book even though this is like this big mega modern city it still has the elements of that corporate, I don't want to say takeover, but corporate footprint where, you know, they are the ones pulling all the strings. They're making all the decisions. The, you know, it doesn't even, they don't even really mention the mayor very much. I think there's kind of a couple passing notes of the mayor, but it really doesn't matter. You have this gigantic skyscraper where the company, uh, what is it called? Um, OCP is the name of the corporation. They run the city. 
There is no The only government time you see the government is all. when that city council took uh, uh, hostages and was going to execute the mayor. Um, this is one of the scenes where Robocop is celebrated. Yes. And um, the guy literally said, you know, when my demands are, you know, I want, you know, I want I want a chopper, I want this and that, and I want a, a recount. And, and I don't care what happens. I want I want my old job back. I mean, who does that sound like, right? Like, you know, can you find me 11,000 votes? That's all I need. Yes. I mean, it's, again, this man is predicting the future in 1987 um, with respect to uh, what happened in our country in the last couple of years with like, I don't care uh, what the recount shows. I just want my job back. Literally holding the mayor hostage after murdering um, someone, uh, again, not to make light of, 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 the, of the violent insurrection we experienced, but the parallels are, are, are just unassailably there. So during that hostage situation, one of the things he requests, and I think this is another piece to, I feel like, just near the car. Yes, the car. And so you have what I saw the cars as as a stand-in for, just as, you know. um, Yes, materialism, just materialism, just the fact that you, you need these things. And if you have this thing, now you're part of the elite. You want something that steps, that makes you look better than the schlubs that are living in the tents in the trailers building the city you have to be it's such a you're fundamentally the you need this. sad story of just losing one's humanity um to to just rampant capitalism in, in many ways it's, it's just you're absolutely right that something something six thousand is is the car and it plays very it's 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 a character um in, in many ways uh to your point yeah the name of the car is the uh six thousand sux it actually leads me to one of the other things I was thinking about that they co- constantly are talking about the Delta city. And I feel like it's a, a big play towards just like e- economic anxiety and that this new fancy city will fix the problems. Um, and then you'll just have the RoboCops or the other, you know, uh, machines just out there just murdering all the, the riffraff that they don't want. And everyone will just kind of live in their glass houses and just kind of forget about the, what's out there. And, you know, they say we'll create jobs for the people who need to serve us, but that's it. There's no real, there's no systematic change. just like any neoliberal fix. It's just a, you know, window dressing and putting a little bow like, on uh, a my pile God, of What's crap. his name? Is it Michael Douglas from Wall Street? When he says greed, greed is good, right? And, yep. and, 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 and I think obviously, like, uh, I haven't seen this in a long, long time, but I think the point was that greed is 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 useful in many ways to get things done and, and, and grow and create opportunities in some ways. And I, fundamentally, I don't disagree with the point that greed is 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 a useful catalyst to get you things and create things but it's also a very myopic way to look at actually how we think about what can create sustainable change to your point about window dressing and neoliberalism um they're basically saying yeah greed is good it'll get you all these things Uh, who cares about the long-term impact and it, it, it like flashed me to a a corollary here about like you know our use of like uh, industrialized, uh, in, uh, industrial level fertilizers over the last, you know, I don't know, maybe 50 to 100 years, which create definitely increased yield of agriculture, but the long term cost is like, you know, soil degradation, you know, uh, uh, inability to sequester carbon into the soil. Um, and it's so, so great in the short term, but long term is going to destroy your topsoil, unable to like, um, so, you know, entire ecosystems are going to collapse. So everything is 
this movie is really ultimately on some levels like a, a a call to action about balance right like if you have an extreme on this side of the equation you know one way to balance it is with an extreme on the other side of the equation as well um yes you have high crime let's build a new city and build robots to murder all the bad people right like that's oh look we fixed the problem if we put a bow on it to your point yeah, and I just saw a news story. I cannot remember what city. I think it's Atlanta, where they want to tear down or raise mm-hmm. this black neighborhood training and forest to build a new yeah. police training yeah. facility. Is it Atlanta? Yeah, so I feel like that's like a perfect encapsulation. I think they also talk about in the in RoboCop building a new police center as part of the new Delta City because you notice right. that the police facility is kind of crummy. All these guys are living in this. The, the Actually, that reminds me, maybe it's not the best point, but the scene where they go to the corporate bathroom is one of the funniest scenes in the movie where you have this same idea, like the glad, the people who are living at the top, they don't care what happens below, just as long as the thing gets built yeah, and then another exactly. zero is exactly. on there. I don't think this is you know, an anti-police movie. Um, I think this is a movie about class struggle and the cops are very much, so the, the, the human cops in that crappy uh, precinct in, in, in Detroit are shown in a sympathetic way, uh, both from the union perspective of the fact that so many of them are dying, literally in, in one of the opening scenes when they're talking about, um, they're you know worried about one of their, 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 their comrades, the captain comes in and he takes that really, you know, the, the name tag off of the locker, puts in a shoe box and says, hey, you know, if you would like to make a donation, you know, talk to such and such. And it's like, you can see that these people are just as deprived of access to resources as anyone else in this movie. Um, and, I, and I really appreciated that nuance, yep. um, that it's not, uh, you know, it's not the, the, the cops versus everyone else. It's, it's really, to your point, those who have all of the resources and are controlling and pulling the strings, manipulating and taking advantage of everyone, cops included. Yep, that's exactly right. And one thing I wanted to come back to is you were talking about the, you know, soil and the, you know, um, yes, we improve things, but what, what, like, what is the cost of those? And one of the things that I thought was very funny, this is in the very, one of the very last scenes of the movie when the kind of the criminal element is trying to go and kill Robocop so they can get rid of him and not have the chance of, you know, losing their status and their money and all that. And it's a scene where one of the, the bad guys is chasing them and runs through this toxic uh, bin, and it and it falls all over him, and he basically is instantly mutated into this just hideous He's toxic, yeah, yeah, exactly. you know, of toxic Avenger or whatever. And so, and what I thought about when I saw that scene is the area is like in a rundown industrial park, which you probably go to Detroit now, you'd see a place just like that. And the idea that these corporate corporations were basically allowed to do whatever they want, they would dump whatever they wanted. There was regular things were being deregulated in the 80s, you know, under Ronald Reagan. And, you know, obviously not just him, you know, it's been going on since him. But it does show just the fact that you have this, they, they talk about the, you know, Delta City, but then there's this runoff, literally, of these old Detroit where it's just toxic dumps and exactly. empty uh, factories. To go back to the Newcomb commercial, the last sentence there is, get them before they get you. The kind of dog-eat-dog kind of everyone throws up. And there's a moment, and I think it's a news clip when they're talking about like you know what's going on in the city, and it was totally like this like pothead-type character who says the line, hey, man, it's a free society, except nothing is free. 
It's the law of the jungle. You're on your own. And I was like, man, that's right there. That's one of the, the salient points. Uh, uh, yeah, very on the nose. Very on the and, nose. And then you juxtapose that with all the commercials that, like, that I, I, I think are like footnotes of the overarching satire. And I think the second commercial, the first commercial is about like the heart transplant. Like, we got the Yamaha, the cops, and whatever. And he goes, and remember, we care. And it's like, oh, my God. It's like they could have made that commercial this, you know, <laughs> today. Right. No, I, that the first thing I thought of when I saw that was, uh, you know, beyond profit, like, oh, you need a new heart and you have enough money, we'll get you one. And, and it'll be one of those cops that exactly. died at the station that we don't need anymore. So it's, you know, the giving the wealthy the things that the literally, or, or actually, it's more like the, the poor middle class are basically giving up themselves, their livelihood, their parts for Correct. The yeah, collective exactly. good the privatization of the, of, 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 of the public sector so that they can make as much money as possible. It's just it's it's a, it's it is a, a deeply human story. I, I, I will. You know, when you talked about the, the toxic sludge, that was one of the things that, um, again, like I said, um, I watched this movie when I was 12 years old back in 98 and it came in and it came out in 87. And that scene um, definitely uh, stayed with me, scarred me in many ways, because this man was like the desperation of this man, like he's melting, he's dying. He's just been, you know, uh, and he's the bad guy. You know, he's he's clearly one of the bad guys and he runs up to his other. He's like, uh, help me, man, help me. And it's like, get away from me and like shoves him. It just it just showed like, it, you know, ultimately, you know, you're, you're on your own. <laughs> As the pot has said, it's a free society, except nothing is free. It's the law of the jungle. Yes. And that's, you know, again, shown. If you'll indulge me, I want to make a little bit of a pivot, Evan, and, and just kind of like, I do think there is, there is also a Please. subtle um, theme, or maybe not so subtle theme of, uh, of, of toxic masculinity. In this case, literally this man, you know, gets, <laughs> you know, doused with, with toxic sludge. And that's the only time, ironically, he's able to say, help me, right? Ask for help. But even RoboCop, you know, and all, and every male character i think is toxic in some ways it just kind of shows yelling fighting yelling violent, all the time uh, very very like black and white about things and 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 uh the corporate like the bathroom scene you know again it's the it's the uh the alphas versus the betas like it's all on display and it's this kind of a very I, th I feel a, an important critique of the way, um, you know, men were raised um, uh, uh, in our society. Uh, and, and, and again, and I think you can see that Robocop being like John Wayne spinning the gun and just being about the law. But anyway, I just wanted to kind of add that one point if you would indulge it. Yeah, no, and, and it actually made me think of one of the early scenes in the movie where you have them unveil the original Robocop, the one they want to use. They have the character who ends up dying who's sort of like the go-getter who pushes the guy who actually in, invents the the actual robocop program he wants to go up against dick jones and he loses because he's cutthroat exactly. but not enough um where you know he the so yeah that is that is a good point and uh, it, it, the, the other thing about this movie if it was a there was a critique or this is an intentional piece that was kind of left out is you don't ever really there are both, you know, white and black characters, but I feel like race in this movie is a very untold story. It's just, I, I don't want to call it like post-racism 
because <laughs> there isn't such a thing really. But I feel like in the way that maybe he's critiquing society, he's kind of like leaving the idea of race mm-hmm. out of the movie. The, I think the, the chief black is black, well. and you have the other black characters. Hold them hostage is black. I, Evan, you're right. And 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 do you, if you think, um, and I was as I was watching it now, you know, many many moons later, Clarence Boddicker's gang is pretty diverse. Uh, you know, he's a, he has uh, I think there's an Asian gang member, uh, a black gang member, and then you know, uh, uh, um, and a couple of white dudes. And and you see there is there is a little bit more representation than I uh, than I would have expected from a movie from that you know from 30, 40 years ago um, in it. But yes, I think you're right. He, I don't think he's um, uh, and I don't know. I haven't read enough about Paul Verhoeven's uh, 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 you know race consciousness in movies to know that. Uh, but but there's definitely an element where he attempted something here. What it is, yeah. I don't know. But it, yeah, you flagged a really I mean, maybe point. maybe in a sense that. You know, sometimes there are movies, obviously, where race is more pushed. That button is pushed more. Maybe the uh, – I'm just guessing that the points about neoliberalism, capitalism, corporatization, all of that, all of those really middle class versus the bourgeoisie, whatever. But maybe he was leaning more on the cl- on the class, as you mentioned earlier, class issues, neoliberalism, than he was on, you know, race. And it maybe would have taken away – from it, it would be interesting to see. I know there's a new RoboCop movie that came out about six years ago, which wasn't, yeah, which wasn't nearly as good as the as the original. No. Um, but it would be interesting if some. I, I hope no one remakes the original. But if you did, similar vein, if they would I, touch I hope that so. topic. Um, I, I, I don't think RoboCop is a movie that needed to be remade. Um, it says perfect yeah of course the graphics and and some of that but you you know you you had earlier asked about you know what held up if does this movie hold up it completely holds up and to your point if they had been even more intentional about uh, the race consciousness uh uh, or lack thereof in american society uh uh then and now um that would have been uh uh, profoundly uh, uh useful um, but you know, with forgiveness to, to 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 the folks who made the movie, I don't know um, if they would have gotten that one right. <laughs> a lot of a lot of movies from that era definitely did not get that right. But they did. <laughs> you they did have a diverse cast, which isn't always the case, like you said in those those era movies. So mm-hmm. I think Correct. they the did, did, black, did a good job. The, the, the police uh, captain is black. His partner is is a woman. Um, um, you know, they, there's definitely some intentionality there. Yeah, absolutely. And so, I mean, we, we've kind of covered the, the you know, in parts, the plot of the movie. But at the end of the movie, you know, Robocop lives. Uh, he's, you know, doesn't succumb to the, you know, the crime element. And uh, Dick Jones is also, you know, meets his end as well from, um, you know, the the old man fires him, which is one interesting piece is that Dick Jones can't die in the movie by Robocop because he wor- he's his boss. Like, you can't kill your boss. So he fires him, and then immediately yep. he's able to then kill him. Um, well, th- which is also, um, I mean, again, I don't know if we're, we're, we're scratching, we're looking too deeply here, but like you know, he had the three directives, right? What was uh, uh, protect the innocent, uh, uh, uphold the law, you know, so, uh, something about the public good. And then the fourth directive, which is secret, which is, you know, you can't harm an employee of OCP, which just shows you like maybe that was commentary on like, you know, the protections that corporations True. get that they really haven't earned. Um, and then if you if you juxtapose that with what he says to his partner when she gets shot, she's like, you know, I think she says like, you know, Murphy, I'm not I'm not doing so good here. And he says, they'll fix you. And then his second line, which is almost a throwaway line was 
they fix everything. And I'm like, wait, is he saying, you know, if that is that a line about corruption that the fix is in, you know, like that? And I was like, maybe, you know, just just uh, I, I found that, you know, because it it's a throwaway line, but he says it, right? He says, they'll fix you. They fix everything. So they do believe, I don't know, because obviously the directives are built by the corporation. It's not like the cops idea. But you kind of see that as a similar thing, is you want the public to believe that you're actually helping. And when Robocop initially is unleashed, all the people he's saving, everyone is like, uh, you know, cheering and pleased and happy that he's doing this. You know, the sure. this hyper violence. Yes, you know, he comes in the the I think the very first scene you see is he he saves a like a mom and pop store from robbery. He saves a woman from getting you know abused, and then the third one is later one of the people he's going after. He you know the a really great scene is the in the gas station is a really fun a fun scene. And actually, one thing we didn't talk about, and I don't know how you if this isn't really a theme, but the the criminal says to the attendant at the gas station, he's working at a gas station, and he's he's studying geometry, I believe, and he says college, yes, and, he said, and he calls him college textbook. boy. Yes. So the other thing that yeah. isn't mentioned, I think other than that line, is the idea of education in this. So he's working at a gas station, and he's studying potentially to get out of that system, you know, where he's you know, presumably working for minimum wage at a at a gas station. So um, I don't know that it plays too much in the movie, but education definitely, I wrote that down. I thought it was interesting. Absolutely. I agree. I, that, that was pretty interesting because it's that same character um, that robs the gas station. It's the same guy as the first guy Robocop comes across and he uses that line, dead or alive, you're coming with me. And in, in that very scene, he, he realizes, we killed you, man, we killed you. But when he's talking to the gas station attendant, um, who's a college student studying, and he gets totally like insecure about this fact that you, know, you think you're, you're basically you think you're better than me. You, you're smart. You're smart enough to outrun a bullet. Like he's like mocking his academic pursuit, mm-hmm. so to speak. Like this is kind of like attack on 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 this person trying to better themselves through education. And and it, it's 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 in it. It's in the movie. It's it's a it's a it's a it's an important moment. And I think there is something to be said about. Um, about the, not just the role of education, but the role of, of, of class and education, yeah. um, uh, that education by itself isn't alone a great uh, 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 a, a social equalizer. Um, uh, uh, you need more than that, um, I think, is, is really what the, the strings are pulling in. And then, of course, just the kind of mean, toxic, method bullying piece is this the same dude at the end, um, after being doused by toxic sludge, is begging for help. Um, but yeah, that's a really, yeah, I'm glad you, uh, uh yeah, that. no, it's, uh, and then you, I think you also see again in the eighties is when you saw a lot of privatization of education to starting to, um, so, you know, the idea that the people who are going to be able to go to college in Delta city are going to be the, the wealthy and, you know, the people doing everything else, you know, maybe they'll go to trade school or something, you know, they're not going to, they're not going <laughs> to exactly. get the, uh, the proper uh, education. But as well far said. as the, you know, maybe any final impressions or last, you know, closing thoughts you had about the movie in general. The first thing we talked about, Paula Bearhoven and the other folks who made this movie predicted and warned us about our current realities. If you'll indulge me, I, I watched this movie uh, maybe a year or two after my family moved to the States. I think I was 12, watched it with my dad. Again, shockingly violent. So many things scared me. Again, we talked about the the man melting from the, the toxic sludge or, or, or the just this when they initially shot 
um, Officer Murphy, one of the most violent scenes I've ever you know witnessed. It was painful, but ultimately it's, it's a sad story of just losing our humanity in a in a in a in an artificial society that's just designed to make people money. And I just want to come back and say, folks, challenge is issued. Please name another movie in the last 50 years that is so profoundly and so thoroughly captures the ills of our modern society in terms of crime, violence, waste, and just othering each other uh, and not being collaborative, cooperative, and just trying to make money. It's the law of the jungle. You're on your own. Yeah, no, well said. <laughs> and, it, and there really is. And what's, what's interesting, uh, I commented to someone about this, about, you know, the first of all movie that was that poignant at the time. But I think there are a lot of people who might see this movie then and now and just say, oh, it's a cool action movie about cops without like this, mm -hmm. you know, without uncovering their like, you know, some movies are subtle in their way of, of delivering, you know, a message. This movie is, is not subtle and to the point where it's you're, they're really just, you know, he's really throwing it in your face. But not in a way that I think detracts. It actually almost makes it. It's just. It's just. Yeah. No, it's a satire. <laughs> it's. It's a. It's a Kieran Fisher. Like to quote um, from from uh, film school rejects: corrupt politics, violence, unchecked capitalism, economic decline, gentrification, media influence, and the militarization of the police force. The movie is a melting pot of upsetting social political commentary in addition to being an entertaining sci-fi action romp. You know, I think that is, uh, uh, if I can quote somebody else on your podcast on that, I think that really is, uh, yeah, to oh your no, point, you can't. what this... Yeah, I, I opened that article, which I'll get a link, and, and the one thing I, I, I saw when I was just scanning this article uh, was, you know, the, we, we brought up Nukem the Game, and in the article it says, you know, it's tame compared to modern video games, and the Daily News, I'm kind of quoting, Daily News reports show us cops looking like they're about to go to war that's not there's no subtleness to it and because it was so profound in predicting the future that things are just <laughs> it makes that movie seem you know, just tame the whole thing just a master class i wanted to thank you again farhad for for joining me here on left of the projector you can check out the episodes on your uh podcast platform of choice so thank you again thank you so much for for hosting this and for inviting me to the podcast